It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, 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 can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. pitch. And boom, launches one to right center field. Bishop going back, still going back onto the warning track at the wall. It's off the top of the wall and it bounces by everybody. Here's Ben Boom around second on his way to third. Ben Boom's going to come around third and it's going to be an inside the park home run for Anthony Ben Boom. That ball hit above the 380 mark and made a 90 degree angle turn to the left. And neither the center fielder Johnson nor the right fielder Bishop could run it down. And Anthony was thinking inside the park all the way, and he delivers with his home run, his 10th of the year, and now will make that his 6th of the year, and the Bees lead it 3 to nothing. Swinging a high drive, deep right center field. Johnson watches it fly over the wall and under the berm. A two-run homer for Jake Gatewood. And now the Bees have a 12-4 lead. But this is a big moment for Cleveland. Up against Slovakian international Albert Rosnick. Rosnick and Cleveland, well, he almost got to it. But it was hit with such venom from Albert Rosnick that it would have been difficult to keep that one out. It's 1-1. Swing and there it goes, deep to left, that ball's up there, it's out there and it's gone! Home run, Drew Butera, his second as a B, and Salt Lake regains the lead at 10-9. Peterson ready, the 1-2 pitch to Carlos Perez. Strike three called, he got him with an off-speed pitch and that's the exclamation point on a B's come from behind win. Welcome in. It is the Saturday show. Just heard some highlights from some of the local action around the state of Utah this week. Some Salt Lake Bees, some Real Salt Lake. Uh, I'm Alex Lundberg, a.k.a. Lundy, with me this week. Uh, filling in for, for Jake Hatch, a.k.a. Yock. We have Austin Horton, uh, a.k.a. Uh, I've been called a lot of things. Uh, the EP is probably the nicest. All right. I don't know why, but that's... You can well, call me the EP or just call me... It's uh, also the worst nickname. Why? Why is that a bad nickname? I'm, I don't know. It's just your job title. <laughs> well, except it's no longer really my job title. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really uh, executive produce much anymore. So, yeah. Yeah. But, well, welcome Hi. back. You know, making a, a triumphant return to the Saturday show. Yeah, man. It feels weird. Yeah. It, I've missed it, uh, and I haven't missed it. Fair enough. Does that I make guess. sense? Yeah. 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 No, I, I get that feeling. I miss it during the summer. I don't miss it during jazz season. Right. Doing enough. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot going on then, but, you know, well, and we were just barely talking off air. It feels like it's been a while since we've seen each other. It's been a, a whole week. Yeah. Did you go out of town? No. The, just, just the jazz season ended. And, and we don't see each other. Just, our paths don't cross when the jazz don't play. Well, it's nice to see that you showered. Uh, it, it took. It, there was a minute there where you weren't getting much time for showering. Yeah, so. you know, barely any time to sleep. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know. On that note, though, you know, now that we've had kind of a, a week to 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 simmer 
and to, to marinate. You know, the last time we talked, it was immediately following the Jazz elimination uh, in Game 6 to the Clippers. So I kind of want to revisit this now that we've had a little bit of time to, to process it, to, you know, look in the rearview mirror, to discuss, to let some of the emotions wear off and to see how things are progressing now without the Jazz. Has anything changed in your mind? Has, has there been anything that has now maybe come to the surface on what went wrong with the Jazz? Uh, yes and no. I think, I think the mo- for the most part, it's all been talked about and pointed out about the, the need for more athletic, longer role players, mm-hmm. uh, better d- perimeter defense, and by better I mean perimeter defense. Of any kind, yeah, would be wonderful for the Utah Jazz. The thing that I I do have questions about, uh, and this is just Austin Horton. I have no insight in, on this. I I have not been told anything about it. I I just I wonder where the team is at mentally with each other, and the only reason I wonder that is because of how remarkable. Thing and I, I think that the truth of last summer's drama was somewhere between unsalvageable and everything's fine. Mm-hmm. I don't think either of those was the truth. I think there was something in between. But even if it, with the truth being in between those, it was remarkable how well this team came together as a team during the regular season, and it seemed to kind of splinter and fall apart in that second round against the Los Angeles Clippers. That may be unfair because the the injuries may have caused them to be in a, uh, you know, not panic mode, but in a do or die situation and things got pressed and you make some bad decisions. But I just am curious as to where they all sit because David Locke told the big show uh, that he thinks it's good that the jazz players get to forget about one another for a little bit here. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that that is needing to send off any uh, nuclear alert alarms that, oh, they hate each other's guts. But going on a vacation, you usually come back and you suddenly don't hate your coworker as much as you did at the time. And by hate, I mean work hate. If Like if I when I go on vacation and I don't have to see Lloyd for six, seven days, I come back and I suddenly like Lloyd again. You know what I'm saying? To decompress and just get away. So I, I'm curious as to where they are mentally as a team. And then the things that they need to add and replace to get better. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I have thought about that. Um, you know, just kind of the the cohesiveness that we've seen. Because, you know, yeah, there were the reports that it was unsalvageable. Um, obviously, they came together. They pushed through that. And, you know, there's a saying that winning fixes a lot. And I think that in the bubble, they did a good amount of winning. And they saw the potential for that. And then in the regular season this year. They did a, a lot of winning. Mm-hmm. They won more than any other team in the NBA. And with that, the expectations were so high that I think it was easy for them to say, okay, you know what? Any beef, any issue I have with so-and-so in the locker room, I can ignore. I can work through because it's for the betterment of the team. We have this goal, and it depends on me pushing past this. And with a second-round exit and in, in the way that they lost – being up 2-0 and then losing four straight, I do wonder how much of that plays in and they think, well, you know, I ignored all of this stuff that really bothered me, and for what? It didn't do anything. We weren't successful with that. 
Yeah. So maybe I should start speaking my mind and try to change things that bother me. And so I do wonder if there is, you know, and this is all speculation on my part. I don't right. want anybody yeah. thinking that, you know, oh, well, he 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 produces the jazz games. He's got to know some sort of insight. You know, he he thinks the team is falling apart and everything's, you know, the jazz will never be good. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Don't, don't take any of this as any sort of hard factor. It's just me being curious and wondering. And this and, is just my personal opinion. I could be very wrong about this. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, this is just me perhaps projecting myself onto the jazz team. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. Right. Yeah, the dirty little secret is we know what you all know. We just pretend we lo- we know more sometimes. Yeah, we, we're very good at pretending. When Woj tweets, we see it too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, along, the, along those lines of do, does someone feel like they need to speak up, I guess the question is, we all have our thoughts about what needs to change for the for the Jazz to take that quote unquote cliched next step. Obviously, if we have our own thoughts, the players got to have thoughts of their own. The coaching staff, the new ownership group that is now led by a different majority owner mm-hmm. than has ever been in this city's front in the franchise's history since 1984 when Larry fully bought the jazz anyway something like that uh it's it's all new and usually those things are all new when a team is starting completely over and all these things are new when a team is the best team in the league in the regular season then injuries or whatever makes them fall short in the postseason so if we have thoughts they've got to all have thoughts and then there's rumors and reports about possible front office changes floating around out there we can acknowledge that there's rumors and reports of that yeah i don't know anything on the inside of it uh, it could just be hubbub, uh, but uh, and how old am I to use the word hubbub? <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, there's there's questions looming over a team that should have, in my opinion, been a Western Conference Finals team this year, and they fell short. I said on uh, Jazz playoff overtime, I thought that means the Jazz failed, and I stand by that. They had an amazing, memorable, fun regular season, but when you're paying luxury tax you're supposed to be one of the best four teams in the league, meaning in the conference finals, they didn't get there. In my opinion, that makes the season a failure. Yeah, and I, I agreed with you even on that. You oh, know, did you? When, we, when yeah. we were doing the uh, the yeah buts, mm-hmm. I, I really struggled to to come up with a positive because it was, you know, just in the context of this year, yeah, we'll have next season, sure, obviously. Um, but in the context of this season, there wasn't a positive spin for me. You know, I, I still feel that way as, as you do that this season, the way that it ended, was a disappointment. Um, the fans are disappointed, and I know that because I have a lot of my friends that still text me and are venting their frustrations and sure. saying, you know, sell the farm, we need to completely start all the way over, we need to fire the coaches, release all the players. And you say, calm down, Hans Olsen. It's not that bad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hans hasn't said anything. Um, but I do get messages like that, and – you know, some of the time when they'll say one specific thing in there, I'm like, you know what? They actually have a point with that. What are some of those things that you've heard that you go, oh, maybe that would have a little more merit than I previously thought? There are discussions about certain players that they don't want to see back. Um, you know, and some of them, whether it's fair or not, you know, and I'll list a number of ones that I've heard, both those that are reasonable as well as unreasonable. Yeah. Um, you know, there are people who want to move on past Mike Conley, and there are arguments for and against that, I think, you know, because 
obviously that's a huge you know that that's entering the luxury tax there it's keeping the jazz paying a lot of money mm-hmm. to keep this unit together um there's also you know getting some fresh blood might help change things up mike conley is older in the league maybe get some younger talent but the the argument that goes against that mike conley took a you know he took a full year to really figure out the system and he's an experienced veteran mm-hmm. he's very talented he's been around the league he gets it a lot and it took him an entire season to get it figured out if you bring in a rookie or somebody that's young and has a lot of promise sure they might pan out eventually but in the very short term I mean we, we saw how fans reacted during Mike Conley's first season where they felt like the Jazz made a mistake and then during the majority of this well I would say the entirety of this season outside of his injuries Mike Conley was one of the best decisions the Jazz have ever made he looked great yeah um, and so that one's kind of back and forth I've seen a lot of people you know arguing to replace George Niang um, I've seen people asking for the Jazz to trade Rudy Gobert um, yeah that one that one to me I'm like yeah let's let's pump the brakes and um, that'll always for the for the remainder of Rudy Gobert's career that will be brought up all the time by a myriad of different people right I, because of the makeup of Rudy Gobert's game and how it doesn't fit into the uh, cookie cutter shape of what an NBA big is supposed to be right now. I have a question for you guys about that. What do you think with Rudy Gobert? We've talked about how you know they were a little bit exposed when they went to small ball. If you're an NBA GM and you did want to look at going after Rudy Gobert, what does the rest of the NBA view his trade value as? Because I think it's a lot different than what Jazz fans who are saying that might think that's true um Mm -hmm. because of what i was just saying about the he doesn't fit that mold of the modern nba big jazz fans and jazz media and we see the incredible impact he has and how he literally is the difference between wins and losses yes that doesn't show up in highlights and box scores the rest of the nba to eric's point alex is they don't see it they just see a guy who does not score as much as a – he can't stretch the floor on offense. He did get caught in some spots on the perimeter against the Clippers because no one else was playing defense at all, nobody else, no one, no one, no one else. Right. Uh, but they only see him in the highlights getting burned, and so they might think, oh, he's we could in a trade, they have a lower value for him than the Jazz will. Right. And, you know, whenever any of – anybody that I know brings that up, you know, they need to trade Rudy Gobert because he didn't do anything there. You know, why didn't Quinn Snyder make any adjustments when Rudy was getting exposed? And my question for them is one that you asked to the callers back, you know, during jazz playoff overtime was, well, what adjustments could they have made? Who would you put out there on the wing? Who could have defended that? The jazz don't have the personnel right now to do that. Yeah. And that's why they got exposed. Um, and, and so, they know that. Yeah, they absolutely know Which that. Which is why I think when you mention a guy like George Niang, love you, dog. You're funny. You're great. You do good interviews. You, you The minivan thing, all that. He's a wonderful person. And he has come so far in his NBA career. But here's the old Sir Mix-a-Lot big butt. He's not getting it done. Right. He's not fitting what the Jazz have a need for to be a championship team. 
And another guy that might fit into that same argument is a Derek Favors. The problem here, if you're if you're in the camp of Favors needs to be moved on from, is Favors is under contract for two more seasons. And it's not a cheap contract. Nope. And uh, he won't bring, if you're looking to, if, oh, we could trade Niang and Favors for that one piece we need, it's not going to happen. It's not out there. Right. Because, you know, when we talk about trades, one thing that a lot of people need to keep in mind is that the other teams are trying to also be beneficial with these trades. And if you're saying, well, let's take two players that we don't feel like are getting it done and trade it for a player that is getting it done, put yourself in the shoes of the other GM and ask yourself why you would accept that trade. Yeah, unless you're the Cleveland Cavaliers and you trade Jordan Clarkson for Dante Exum. Right, and, you know, (laughs) which even in that case, you know, Dante Exum, you know, at the time, he had a high potential ceiling, you know, the, the, the injuries were keeping him down and things like that. So that's the, how it was It's sold. a risk. It's a risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. High yeah. risk, high reward. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Derek Favors has been around the league for a long time. People know what kind of player they're getting with him. And if that's the player that they want, then they'll make the trade. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, if, if you as a fan are looking at it and saying, well, I wouldn't trade for him. I want to trade to get rid of him. Then you need to ask yourself why any other GM in the league would trade for him yeah what need does he feel for them mm-hmm. and so and and i've i just mentioned two guys george Ying and Derek favors who are both incredible people and they're talented basketball guys and they are fan favorites uh but if they don't fit that's where the business cold-hearted non-emotion comes into play here you got to look at what you have and how you can improve upon that and i think we're all in agreement that if and we'll get into Mike Conley and what you said about what your friends are saying about Conley. If the Jazz bring back this same exact team next year, but they've taken away, for an example, George Niang and added in a wing defender who is average on offense but above average on defense, I think we all agree this is a championship team next year. It's the same team, but with that one missing piece added, it's a matter of... Can you get that in free agency? Can you get that via trade? I don't believe at 30th you're going to get it in the draft. Not immediately. It might develop into that in two years, but that's where this Conley decision comes into play. While it's ultimately Mike Mike and Mary Conley's decision where they'll have Mike play basketball next season, the Jazz have got to look at what your friends are bringing up, injuries, age, adjustments, uh, I think that those are fair questions. I think at his age, a hamstring, while still a minor injury that heals over an offseason, is the type of injury that can come back time and again, especially as tendons age. There's a lot of miles on that hamstring. Uh, and you have to make those factor those into your decision. But here's where I think the Jazz are not stuck in a negative way with Mike Conley, but where the decision I think is actually made is the window of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert as the core two pillars is open, but it's ultimately going to land in Donovan's decision here in a few years. Mm -hmm. If you have any, any, any doubt, or if there's any possibility that Donovan chooses to leave the Utah Jazz – then you've got to strike while the iron's hot 
even if he were to eventually choose to stay with the, the Utah Jazz, uh, even if he chose to eventually stay with the Jazz, you got the window's open now, and that window closes a little bit without Mike Conley. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, I mean, Donovan has, you know, he's obviously kind of what the Jazz need to build around, and he's he's got so much potential. He's got just, yeah, there's just so much there. Like you said, you know, the, there's the window of opportunity, and it's going to be open for a few seasons at least. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I go back, I believe it was uh, Jerry Sloan actually used to say that, you know, for a really good team, you need two great players and one good player, you know, to kind of make up that big three. The Jazz have the great players with Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Um, they have a good player with Mike Conley when he's healthy. And so it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, if they if they need to replace Mike Conley, because that, like you said, is their decision. Um, but you know, they need to build around that, that core, um, as, and they're going to continue to improve, you know, I mean, we've seen it year over year with both Donovan and Rudy where they really work at it. They really, you know, analyze their games. They, they find and analyze their weaknesses. They work on improving those. Donovan has reached, in my opinion, every season, it looks like he is just the best version of himself that he's ever been. Yeah. Um, I mean, playing on one leg in the second round and still scoring, you know, right around 30 points a game. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And so when there's four players in the entire league who average 28 points a game for the season and he's in the playoffs on one leg doing that. And along those lines, if you'll indulge me, Eric pulled a clip from Howard Beck yesterday on the big show where he's taught, you just mentioned Donovan Mitchell seems every year it takes another step and he's the best version of himself. Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated said, that's going to continue for the foreseeable future. So we've been tearing this thing apart, Howard, and putting it back together as far as what the Jazz need to uh, to take another step forward after what happened against the Clippers. And we, we've come to the conclusion that defense, perimeter defense would help, or maybe a little length along those lines. But I have a question for you about uh, organic growth with the Jazz. How much better can Donovan Mitchell get? Do you think he's reached his peak yet, or do you think he, he might yet take uh, take uh, another leap? With the understanding that we never know, and you know, it's hard to, to chart anybody's trajectory, and you know, a lot of it is contextual, who you're playing with. Some of it is um, just how much a guy works and all that. I'm going to guess this, that Donovan Mitchell is nowhere near his peak yet. And I say that because we've seen nothing but steady progression. We know he's a high-character guy. You guys know that better than anybody. And there's no question he's going to work hard. And there's no question he's got a, a desire to be to be great. And like it starts with that. There are plenty of players in this league who are happy to just have the talent, get paid really well, have a nice lifestyle, don't necessarily feel the need to be great or the greatest or to win at a high level. And that's fine. Like Everybody's built differently. I always have gotten the sense that Donovan Mitchell is built, you know, more in, in the way of the, uh, you know, the old school basketball, you know, um, stars that he that He's a competitor that he's, you know, you hate to invoke guys like Kobe or Jordan or whatever, but he, he seems to have that kind of desire. I think Devin Booker has that too. And so the guys who really want it work at it and they keep evolving and, and adding to their game. And 
he can he can be better. He can be more efficient. He can make better decisions with the ball as a playmaker. There, there, there's there's plenty he can do to improve, and that's not a knock at all. Like he's already great. But um, if your question is, can he get even better? Yeah, I mean, almost everybody in this league can, aside from maybe LeBron James. So um, I, I I think that's where their growth comes, but it's not going to be enough, right? Like they could use perimeter D, as you mentioned. You know, I mean, the Jay Crowder Miles Bridges tandem in Phoenix is is really critical, and. You know, can can you can you get some wings like that? But you know, you, you might be giving up a little bit too. Although both those guys can shoot it too, so that's the thing. Like the Jazz have wings who can shoot the three, but maybe aren't as as great defensively. Um, you know, but but even as I say that, like I think they overall were doing pretty well. Like I I you know, it's hard. There's so many different ways because every piece you pull. Is is like you're you're losing something. You got to gain something somewhere else. Can you just change out one piece? Do you have to change out several? Like it's it's a it's a tough puzzle. Like I don't I don't know what the the key to the Jazz jumping forward is short of the obvious, which is like oh go trade for another star. Like but you know good luck with that. There aren't that many. So Howard Beck, they're saying Donovan Mitchell's nowhere. Well, to be to be fair to what he said, has not reached his peak yet. Right. And if that's the case, then we're looking at a perpetual. MVP caliber candidate every single season. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, you know, that's, I don't think that any Jazz fan that is thinking that that's a possibility or starts even expecting that, I don't think that's an unreasonable expectation for Donovan to start entering that MVP conversation and to start performing at that level and to really establish himself as one of the top names in the NBA. Um, I also really want to, you know, bring up and touch on what Howard Beck said there at the end. Because um, it kind of plays back to what we were talking about, where he said, you know, it's a tough puzzle. If you pull one piece, you know, you're losing something. It's That's something that I think gets forgotten a lot in this conversation is, you know, when you let players go or when you trade for a different player, yes, you are gaining something and you are addressing a need, but you lose something as well. Um, and I think he's absolutely right where it is a tough puzzle. That's why these NBA GMs, these front office executives, it's why they make a lot of money, and it's why the NBA is so competitive. Is because if this were easy, then yeah, I mean, you know, it wouldn't be nearly as fun because yeah. it would just be the same dynasty for however many, you know, fifty straight years, where we would just see the same team with all the superstars, you know. Yeah, and you know, where's the fun in that? But it's it's yeah. not that way, and it's it's good that it's not that way. It's better for us. You know, in the media, it's better for the fans that are watching because we're able to see and it's like, okay, this isn't a perfect team. I mean, even look at this season, the Brooklyn Nets. They, by all accounts, they were a perfect team. And they had the same ending that the Jazz did. Eliminated in the second round. They were a super team. Yeah, and they had injuries like the Jazz had. So, same thing. Well, the the fact remains, uh, and this will be my my final thought here, uh, the fact remains that the Jazz are really, really, really good. And when healthy, they were, I thought, a championship-caliber team this season. When not healthy, suddenly that depth is really shallow, When especially when it's a starter and an all-star starter at that, and then Donovan also with his angle, ankle. And so then you need some role players who are stronger than the role players they had this year, and that's what needs to be fixed. Yeah, so it, it's, it's a tough thing. Um, We'll uh, go ahead and take a break. When we come back, I want to get to some uh, 
recently Kalani Sataki and BYU, they had their media day. Uh, I want to get into that a little bit when we come back on the other side. So uh, just sit tight while we go to break and uh, join us for that, that conversation here on the Saturday Show. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back in. It is the Saturday show. I am Lundy. With me is Austin Horton. We're having Sorry. a good time so far. Yeah, man. And, uh, yeah, I've been having fun. I don't miss my family. I do. But they're out. It's my uh, sister-in-law's birthday today. Happy oh. birthday, Casey. Happy 25. So they're out uh, partying, doing stuff. Nice. And I'm here with yeah. you and Eric, I, uh, where I want to be. Yeah. My family's all up in uh, <laughs> Heber at a, can- at a cabin. Nice. And so they're all enjoying, you know, the fresh mountain air. Um, I love Heber. Beautiful up there. Yep, yep. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I don't believe that they're hunting treasure, but they, they, <laughs> they, they may be. I don't know. Yeah, we were just going over the uh, ten thousand dollar treasure hunt clues in the Wasatch Mountains. I think it's in Draper. I have no idea where it is. <laughs> I know it's. I mean, you know, like. All I know is that it's $10,000, it's treasure, and so I'm ready to go Nicolas Cage and steal whatever I have to to find a secret <laughs> map to it. I'll tell you this much. I'm not going to go look for it. <laughs> but if it ends up being at that place I told you in Draper, mm-hmm. I might lose my mind that I didn't go look for it. <laughs> so uh, what is it? UtahTreasureHunt.com? What is uh, it? Let me find that again. Uh, on this story. Sorry. It was something like that, yeah. Uh, um, UtahTreasureHunts.com. Gotcha. So... Um, I just want one of these years. They, I, I want the clues to be something where I realize it's in my backyard and I can just go out and dig and, yeah. you know. It's right there under the azaleas. Takes, like, <laughs> you know, maybe 50 steps from my couch. I just want to strike oil in my backyard. Is that so much to ask? I don't think so. That's... By the way, utahtreasurehunts.com, blocked on our, <laughs> our browsers. That, you know, Can't see it on, sense. on the work computer. What do they have on that website? Nefarious. Treasure. Treasure hunters. Anyway, um, <laughs> so as teased before the break and before our minds got <laughs> locked onto $10,000, um, Kalani Sataki and the BYU football team had media day recently. Um, and so, you know, there were a couple of clips of Kalani Sataki talking about his team uh, that I wanted to get to, um, a handful of topics. But, you know, kind of before we dive into that, Austin, what are some of your expectations for BYU football uh, after coming off of a massively successful 2020 season and headed into 2021 now having lost a lot of that talent to the NFL? Yeah, Uh, I think a fair expectation is 500. Six wins is a fair expectation. It might sound low to BYU fans. Might sound like I'm hating. Maybe I am. But I just look at the talent lost, yes, but more importantly, the position, uh, the positions where that talent was lost from and the schedule ahead. And while on paper schedule predicting is rarely accurate, uh, I remember a couple seasons ago when BYU was uh, expected to start 0-5 uh, and they went 3-2 and and, or 4-1 and or some crazy uh, something else. And, uh, you know, you can't really predict 
injuries to that team or their opponent. You can't predict uh, anything. It's all on paper. And on paper, that's a 6-6 six and six schedule. I think that's fair. And if you get to that, I think you put a check mark and you hope that half of those six wins came against P5 teams. Yeah. But we'll see. That, maybe that is low, but that's where, I, that's where I think I am at with BYU football today. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't disagree with that. I think that a six-win, you know, six wins is very much a reasonable expectation, especially considering, you know, last year with all the talent that they had, they didn't play a single Power 5 team. And now on the schedule this year, they have seven. Yeah. They're playing the majority of their schedule is a Power 5 schedule. And Are they a 12-game schedule this year or 13? I believe it's 12. Okay, yeah, I thought so as yeah, well. No Hawaii on the schedule this year. So, um, <laughs> and when you say expectation, my mind goes to the, the, the minimum. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the expectation for the Jazz, as we mentioned, this year was a Western Conference Finals. They didn't get there. They didn't meet my expectation. Right. An expectation for BYU is six wins. If they get more than that, that's six a Six wins in a bowl game. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I think that, you know, anybody that's looking, you know, six, probably a ceiling at, I would say, eight. I think that's reasonable. I think that's fair. If you get nine wins out of this schedule, Kalani Satake is going to get some offers. Yeah. They better extend him again (laughs) because he'll have earned it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, yeah, coming back to Kalani Satake, um, I want to get into this. He he addressed a number of things. I want to start with, you know, obviously the biggest departure from the team last year. Zach Wilson drafted number two to the New York Jets. Uh, Kalani Sataki talked about his quarterback room and the quarterback competition, and so I want to I want to start there. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a, the personality, the leadership, the, um, a lot of the things that you look for in a guy that 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 you can help that can help you win games. Uh, and I feel like we have three really good ones. Um, uh, they're they're going to have to figure out who's going to be the starter because it's going to come down to whoever earns it. And um, that's the only way I can function as a head coach is to give the the, the starting job to the guy that deserves it. And so um, we're going to go with that in mind. And I, they know I feel really comfortable with them. Uh, A-Rod does. The, the whole coaching staff feels comfortable and the team feels comfortable with those guys. And I'm really looking forward to them competing and getting better. And, and, uh, and, you know, with the competition, hopefully all three get better, but the, hopefully one of them will definitely stand out and then take that starting spot. My initial reaction to that is uh, Kalani Sitake a few years ago said that he learned, and this is not a comment on Tanner, but he learned from the situation with Tanner coming in as the incumbent starter that he felt Tanner Mingham would have been better prepared for that season had he had to fight for the starting job. I don't know that that means every year you have to perpetually have a fighting quarterback competition. I don't I don't think that that is what that means. When he says the the guy that he's going to look at will have earned it and deserved it and hopefully one of them separates themselves. I read between the lines there of that coach speech and go, okay, they have a guy in mind. Yeah. And they should have a guy in mind, or they aren't really doing their job correctly. Right. And in my opinion, I think the guy in mind is Jaron Hall because he brings – he fills five needs. He's a five-tool quarterback, and he's not perfect at any of those five. But he has five tools. Baylor Romney has three tools. Jacob Conover's a mystery. So I would think – 
that it's not necessarily Jaron Hall's gig to lose, but he's definitely, I think, the marked man in that room. Oh, I would, I, I agree with that 100%. Um, you know, and it's, you know, like listening to him when he said that, you know, well, we need to have the, the competing, uh, you know, like remembering the, the Tanner Hall thing. Or Tanner Mangum, wow. Yeah. Uh, Who's Tanner Hall? Tanner Hall. Jaron Hall is the you oh, know the you. upcoming. That's where that kind of just mixed it all uh -huh. together. Tanner Mangum. And Jaron Mangum. Yeah. Jaron Mangum, yes. <laughs> okay. um, but no, the Tanner Mangum situation, I think Kalani did learn one of his first and most important lessons as a head coach. No head coach is ever going to say that, you know, we're going to give the position to a guy that didn't earn it, right? But he... He did have, you know, I would say that Kalani looked at it as Tanner earned this in the past season, so he's going to stay. Um, and I think he learned, you know, just the, the classic, you know, iron sharpens iron. Make guys compete. Uh, if they feel comfortable, then that's going to, you know, cause a little bit of complacency. Um, during jazz season, uh, we played on air a brief clip from an interview with David Locke and uh, new owner Ryan Smith. And Ryan Smith talked about his business practices with Qualtrics and what he was bringing to the Jazz, and he said one of the biggest death blows to a company is complacency. Because when you become complacent, the market changes and then your company no longer has a place in it. And I think that that holds true hmm. here. Um, if your starters are complacent because they don't feel like they're getting pushed, then that ultimately works against them. And I think Kalani has learned that to where, you know, there's a lot of starters that are going to be the starters. It's not, there's no question about it. But you tell them, and this is something that I think that he's learned from Kyle Whittingham up at the U. Every position is, air quotes, open every week. Hmm. The starter has to earn their keep every week. And I think that by doing that, even when you have a quarterback in mind like Jaron Hall, and you're saying, you know, whether that is who they're thinking of or not, we, you know, again, Speculation just, on our part. Just my thought, yeah. Um, they can have that in mind, but he, that doesn't mean that he is going to, to earn it. He has to he has to put that effort in. It's not his yet. He has to go out. He has to secure it for himself. And they obviously expect whoever they have in mind to do that. But if he doesn't, then, you know, they have a new choice on their hands of, okay, well, if he didn't, who did? Yeah, and that's... They have to do it that way because they have to keep Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover, whoever else. Uh, they have to keep them driven to be ready if Jaron's not. Exactly. They can't think. Uh, they can't say, "Oh, Jaron's the guy." Get to August, realize Jaron's not the guy, and the other guys have transferred or not tried as hard, and they're not ready to go either. So, mm -hmm. um, continuing this similar theme into a position where we do know a definitive starter, but where I'm sure that they have a lot of similar, and maybe he'll address it in this clip, um, but talking about Tyler Algier, um, Kalani obviously has a great running back in Tyler. Um, so let's let's get to what he said about him right here. He, he's as real as they come, and, and, and the one thing I could tell you, his work ethic is unbelievable, and it's nice to see a young man come into the program uh, go through some development, learn the game, play a, a variety of, um, of uh, positions, and then commit to being a contributor on special teams first, and then having that transition onto the football field as a as a starter and as a, a you know big time playmaker for us on the offensive side of the ball. 
Awesome. So I think I heard right there kind of he alluded to playing off of what he said about the quarterbacks. He mentioned a lot of those characteristics. You know, he used different words, but talked about him wanting to be a contributor on special teams first. Yeah. And playing a lot of different positions and becoming a key contributor and a key playmaker. Um, and I do think that that's, you know, he's got that same mindset towards that position and what he saw out of Tyler that he's looking for in the quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, I, I brought up the, the idea of a five-tool quarterback, and those five tools include, you know, the arm, uh, running, uh, smarts, well, mental side of things, uh, the uh, experience, and if they are uh, trusted by their coaches and teammates. When you look at the court, at the running backs, I think Sione Finau is a more talented running back than Tyler Algier, but Tyler Algier checks more of those boxes immediately than Sione Finau does. Lopini Katoa, I think, is an extremely athletic, gifted football player. He doesn't have the bruiser capability of a Tyler Algier or a Sione Finau. So I think BYU is, is, is in a good spot in the running back department I don't know that Tyler Algier is as good as his stats last year tell you he was, but I think that he has, as Kalani mentioned, learned and grown and developed into a much better uh, running back to where he probably is supposed to be the starter until Mm -hmm. he's taken over by a Sione Finau. Yeah, which is is something that can and does happen regularly in college football where guys come in, they start, they're great, and whether it's just while they're getting rested or something else, somebody else comes in and exceeds those. Or even if they you know, were great in the past, they come in, they have just a pedestrian season, and some of the depth passes them up. Um, it's something that happens. But I, I, I do tend to agree with you that I don't think that his stats last year are indicative of the kind of season that he'll have this year. But I do, I, I do have high expectations for him. Um, because he does have a lot of those those checked boxes that mm-hmm. you were talking about. Um, he's got those capabilities. He's got you know some of those X factor capabilities that aren't something that you can really quantify. Yeah, he's earned the trust and respect of his teammates and coaching staff mm-hmm. by doing what he's supposed to do in practice, in the classroom, in his day to day life, and then performing in games. Mm-hmm. Whereas, a, and this might be harsh, but whereas a Sione Finau performs in games and does not match some of those other things between Saturdays. Yeah, and so, you know, and that, that does go a long way. You know, it, it earns the respect of your teammates. And on a football field, that kind of plays a big part. Um, we talked a lot, though, about the depth with, you know, Sione Finau, Lopina Katoa. Um, there is a lot of, you know, there's Luke Andrada, I think, yeah. is in that room. Yeah. And so there's that. There's the, you know, we were just discussing the, the quarterbacks and the depth there. Um, BYU lost a lot of talent, as we've talked about. Uh, Kalani talked about developing the depth that they had last year. There were a lot of blowouts, and so they obviously pulled their starters. They gave them a lot of rest, and they got to play a lot of the underclassmen in those times. And so while they do lose a lot of starters, um, here's here's what Kalani said about kind of, you know, building that depth and preparing the, the guys that are, that are that are stepping up this year? Well, I mean, I think the the team's been deep for a long time as far as our, our the talent and the number of people that we can use and we feel comfortable using in the game. 
uh, when, if you're looking in, in, in relation to, to starters, then maybe it's a little different. But last year, we, we knew that we had some games under control and, and were able to give a lot of our, our um, inexperienced players more valuable time on the field. And so that, that was a huge benefit for um, getting some games uh, decided early, having younger guys, inexperienced guys get on the field and, and getting that valuable time. I think it's going to be really helpful for us. We saw that um, help us out in spring ball. We have what much further ahead team in spring than we've had in the past. And so I think hoping that, that that'll uh, translate over to what we're trying to do as a program going into fall camp with off-season conditioning. I, I feel really good about where we're at right now and, and, and looking forward to when we get the pads on in August. Well, if they're ahead, if those uh, reserves who are now going to be seen starting the spots or minutes are ahead because of last year's patched work schedule, then that's a win. Then that was a, a double bonus for BYU for putting together a full schedule during the pandemic. This season will tell if they're ahead or not. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot to, to wait and see. All right, that'll do it for our uh, BYU football conversation in this segment. Coming up around the corner here, we've got technical fouls. So we'll get to that after the break. Uh, this is the Saturday show and coming up at the top of the hour also. Um, one of my favorite humans, Brian Brown of Ute Zone. Um, we're going to bring him on. Traitor. So we'll, we'll be talking to him, you know, just in case any of our, our Ute fan listeners out there were a little bit feeling left out that we were talking about BYU no, football. they wouldn't you know. be. I know, That's right? not how yeah. this rivalry works. So we will be balancing things out. Brian Brown will be here to talk a lot about. I already have um, a tweet. Why are you talking about BYU? They're not even a P5. <laughs> so, yeah, Brian Brown will be here. We'll be talking about Utah's recruiting class, um, some of the Phil Steele ratings, things like that. Uh, Saki is around the corner as well. So that's all ahead here on the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports. We talk Jazz, Utes, Cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. Weekend! You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. And if you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Because that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome into one of our favorite segments here on the Saturday show, Technical Fouls, where we take a look at the world of sports or even just the world in general. And we, uh, we hand out technical fouls to people who are, uh, who are deserving of them for acts that are kind of stupid. Yeah, bad behavior or mm -hmm. puzzling behavior or, you know, you don't ever want to find you or your loved ones the subject of technical fouls. Right. So... Uh, to kick things off, Austin, why don't you get started with uh, your technical foul here? All right. Uh, technical foul on all of Major League Baseball. Oh, sorry. I was pausing for a whistle. Back <laughs> in the day, we had a whistle after we assigned oh, the right. technical foul. I do remember. Uh, so this whole sticky substance nonsense. Um, baseball has long had a problem with... Uh, holding on to the entertaining side of the sport. Since the summer of steroids, there has not been a popular, a more popular moment for baseball 
since then, the mid-90s. Turns out it was all inflated. I think most of us knew that, accepted that. I know for a fact baseball knew it and accepted it. Fast forward to last year where they doctored the ball so that there would be more home runs. Pitchers threw a fit. Fast forward to this year, they have allowed pitchers to do whatever they want, like they've always done, to the baseball, as long as it's not right there. You don't see them out there on the mound covering it in Vaseline. Mm -hmm. It's all clandestine still and hidden. Uh, Well, now there's too many no-hitters, and the batters are what we pay to see. So baseball goes, yes, we will not allow any more of this cheating the game and doctoring the ball. And K baseball, what are you gonna do about it? We're gonna, we're gonna, uh, uh, we're gonna check everyone's uh, pants and hats and gloves. How many times? However many times it takes. Well, uh, I know you have something to add it, it, where that comes in as well, Alex. But, but Dale, Austin, aren't the games too long? And that's I was gonna have you play a soundbite from Dale Murphy, but in interest of time, Dale Murphy was on the Big Show on Thursday and talked about how the substance on the ball problem has been a problem for years, decades. When he played, he had a funny comment about Gaylord Perry. Everyone would pick up the ball and it would fall out of your hand because it was so covered in in schmutz. And uh, he said the real solution here is to just randomly check these players because, Alex, as you mentioned uh, off-air, it's become a mocking, a mockery because of stuff like what Joe Girardi did the other day. Right, where Joe Girardi asked the umpires to check Max Scherzer three separate times. And Max Scherzer, by the fifth inning, was so sick of this that, you know, it kind of led to a lot of chirping back and forth, um, led to some ejections. But here's, you know, I mean, Joe Girardi, did he actually think that Max Scherzer had anything after the first check? There's no, like, absolutely not. Anybody that believes that he thinks that it's like, oh, well, he was waiting for the first check, and then he applied all of this stuff. like, And he said, oh, he's never run his hand through his hair like that before. Yeah, he has. Max Scherzer constantly ru- rubbing the sweat off his right. hair. And, like, I mean, that's that's a normal human movement to run your hand, you know, like. To wipe you, the sweat away. Yeah, mm-hmm. if, you, if you have an itch, you tend to scratch it. <laughs> and so... You know, it's it's one of those things where this is gamesmanship that gets in the way yeah. of the game actually being played. Yep. Um, I mean, if you think about the, the, one of the comparisons that I can think of on what this would do to other sports, imagine if you gave just unlimited reviews to college football coaches. No. Oh. Like you mean like they oh give no. to the NBA refs? Yes, yeah, and ninety uh, seconds takes thirty three minutes. That's a real number. That's yeah. <laughs> Suns Clippers game two, ah! and so that like I mean, college football games would last a week. <laughs> it would be cricket matches, and in the Pac twelve, yeah. it might be a month. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's ridiculous. Glasses the, ref would be well, just living at the fifty yard line. Oh yeah. man, I would love that. Um, <laughs> But yeah. Anywho, but technical foul on Major League Baseball. If yeah. it's a problem, fix it. If it's not a problem, don't make it worse. I agree. And that's what they're doing here. 100% agree. Uh, for my technical foul this week, heading down to uh, Arizona, Tempe, where the Arizona State Sun Devils have found themselves in an interesting situation. Uh, <laughs> there was a, a, a dossier that was provided 
to their athletics department where they they flipped through and they found pages of recruiting violations over the past 15 months. Mm-hmm. Um, for anybody that hasn't followed the story, the NCAA extended the recruiting dead period where the recruits are not allowed on campus. You know, they can't go on these official visits or anything like that. Um, they extended that through through the entire COVID season for obvious reasons. There was a pandemic. We don't want people interacting in person where they can transmit this disease. And Arizona State went, meh. I mean, how else are we going to recruit? You know, if we're not cheating, we're not trying. And, the, and what they really said was, no one else can talk to these guys? Well, yeah. then we're going to talk to them. And so, I mean, you know. And you, do other things. <laughs> if you read through the report, it's amazing just the brazen disregard for not only public health, but for the rules of the NCAA and, like, mm-hmm. kind of just doing a, well, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Um, as they brought in tons of recruits and – took them around, had them meet with the head coach so he knew about it. It alleges that they, that these visits were discussed in coaching meetings. They were written on the whiteboard. Here's who we're going to have in this weekend. Um, one of the more recent reports that came out earlier this week from Yahoo Sports was that the deputy athletic director was made aware of this in the winter <laughs> and did nothing. Uh, yeah. And so this is widespread, openly known about, and – one of the amazing things about it to me as well is when this when when this report was first given and made available, you know, it was done so anonymously and they talked to a handful of staffers and other people and they said, okay, do you know who who might have done this? And they were like, well, you know, because it, it obviously had to be somebody within the football program. Mm-hmm. The, the level of detail that was in there it had to be somebody that knew. And they said, well, I mean, it could have been one of. 10 or more people because there are so many people that are angry with the way that this coaching staff is operating and that, you know, we wanted to run this clean. And so they pushed us to the side. So there's a ton of people. It's like, it was probably a collection of them all. Probably. probably are all. And and they did mention that all of those people that it could have been, had been keeping receipts. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, you know, like it could have been a collaborative effort of just, all right, we're taking this down, but things do not look good for the Sun Devils. What do we think will happen though? I actually truly think that the NCAA will crack down on this. Meaning? I think that there will be at least a, nothing. <laughs> oh, no. I think that there's going to be a loss of scholarships. I think there's going okay. to be a postseason ban. If you look at what they did to USC for the Reggie Bush thing, yeah. now you add in that there was a global pandemic and that they flew in the face of not just the NCAA, but you know the World Health Organization. There's a lot of litigation on the line here. Yeah. So uh, a vacation of vacating scholarships and uh, whatever else, great. Nothing will change ever, 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 unless there are lifetime bans assessed to coaches who are running these dirty. Programs. Oh, I I agree with that. So yeah. there's no anything they come up with will not do anything else. Someone will do this again, maybe even at Arizona State again. So yeah. Oh, lost you, Eric. All right, so. Uh, Eric, I think you had one? Yes, just briefly, because we're a little bit over here. Uh, Jay Williams, as <laughs> a person who tweets out stupid stuff a lot, most of the time, it's my hobby. Um, but <laughs> You tweet like 50 <laughs> times an hour, man. Yeah, dude, I am addicted. <laughs> it is not good. But Jay Williams, the first thing wasn't that bad, I, 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 I think. saying Making a big mistake saying the... Boston Celtics, who very famously have hired Belak coaches in the past, 
he said, well, this is their first time hiring a black head coach. One, that, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big mistake, but it's so easily fixable. You can tweet out something like, I've talked to Bill Russell. I've kissed the ring. I apologize for this. Doc Rivers. Mi- Doc Rivers within the last decade, man. I apologize for this <laughs> tremendous misstep. Yeah. But where the technical foul really comes in is the next tweet he sends where he says, the previous tweet was not mine. My account's been hacked. Yeah. And uh, I am changing the passcode. Just so no, I'm with you. Own it. For, yeah. Just be like, I was an idiot. Just, I blew just it. Just be like, I'm sorry. My I had a brain malfunction. Like, I apologize. Here's a list of every black head coach the Celtics have ever had. And you move on with your day, and everyone probably laughs at it. But It might stick around for a week. Then you go on and you say, my account's been hacked. No. The Russians got me. Yeah, you can't do that. I'm with you. Yeah. For sure. It's a bad mistake to make in the first place, as you said, Eric. And then if you don't own it, anything you say is going to make that the worst part of it. I think I'm going to start doing that for anything that I say on air, just that ends up being wrong or stupid. Is just, you know, sorry, my radio show got hacked. That wasn't me. That wasn't my voice. My my mic has been hacked. Um, my <laughs> password has been changed. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, we've got Brian Brown coming up around the corner from the Heat Zone. The Speaking of a hack. Here, and we're breaking down the teams that <laughs> you're Brian Brown, passionate we, about. Oh, really? People, as I've said before. And so we're going to have him on. We're going to talk Utah football coming up around the corner the here on the Saturday Sports show. Network. Welcome back into the Saturday show. Eric, excellent choice in bumper music here. This gets me fired up. I love as Garth a- Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as, as if I weren't already fired enough, fired up enough to speak with our next guest. Now this just takes it to that next level. <laughs> um, but this guest needs no introduction, but I'm going to give him one anyway. Uh, Brian Brown works for Ute Zone, uh, really understands Utah football really well. Uh, he played offensive line at snow college uh he is just a wonderful human being with a heart of gold it's the big beautiful brown bear uh brian how are you i mean i couldn't be any better after an introduction like that but you know (laughs) other than the fact that somebody's hacked my brain (laughs) and we can't find the keys oh man we love you i'm we miss we truly we miss you being part of the zone team so we're excited to have you on as as a guest today it, I miss it too. Um, I don't miss the uh, the late nights and the four a.m. departures from the arena after pre and post games as much. Yeah, but and, I definitely and, miss you guys. And Hans Olsen being a diva. Yeah, <laughs> that, I actually kind of miss that part about it because getting to hang out for a hand, with Hans for up to six hours a night, sometimes eight hours, you you discover parts of this world that you never knew existed, and, and the things that he can come up with, both like from a football point and also from a food standpoint are just unbelievable yep for sure oh man so brian um we've had a decent amount of uh breaking news on the ute zone front over the past you know weeks or so we've we we now have four recruits for the 2022 class um two of them are quarterbacks but uh, i just wanted to kind of get your analysis on uh what are the utes getting with these new commits 
Well, but getting football players number one, and I think that's a big thing as you're moving forward, you know, um, and I, I don't say that lightly because what I mean is that they're getting legitimately talented football players. Uh, unusual that Utah gets two quarterback commitments? Absolutely. But I think it's a sign of what's been happening in the past and now what's happening with the transfer portal where Kyle Whittingham is adapting to the to the surroundings of college football. He's not going to sit back and, and let his quarterback room be depleted because a guy wants to leave. So he's going to go out and get the guys that, that they want. And I think last year there was a lot of uh, conversation about Jackson Dart and Peter Castelli coming in and, and what goes on with that. And Castelli uh, ended up coming to Utah and showed out pretty well in the spring game. He's got a ways to go. But uh, I think after that, Woodingham has decided that they're just going to go out and get the two quarterbacks that they want, and they did that. Nate Johnson uh, will end up being a four-star prospect. I'm almost positive with that. Brandon Rose could be as well, uh, but they're both incredibly talented quarterbacks. Uh, for those who are deep into the recruiting scene, current Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud had a similar arc as Nate Johnson is having right now where he made it to the Elite 11 Finals, went out and really wowed everybody out, kind of coming out of nowhere uh, on the quarterback scene. Brian, what do you say to a guy like me who uh, tends to shy away from the recruiting scene because these are teenagers and I've never seen a teenager live up to any hype that's not named LeBron James? Uh, what's it like having good mental health? I think would be number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I. This is the one area I might. Yeah, but but I, honestly, I, I see these the scores and four stars, five stars, and I think good for them. But uh, let's see what they do when the games begin. Yeah, I think stars get a big uh, misconception label slapped on them, right? Because stars are not really indicative of what a player is going to do at the college level. It's more a projection of what they've already done. So, like, a three-star quarterback means that they're going to be a power five-level starter. Um, and that can be any level, right? It could be, you know, a Mike Wright-type level starter at the University of Utah. Or, uh, you know, it could be somebody like Keenan Peeley or Peyton Wilgar at, at BYU. You know, guys that are really starting to move forward and, and make noise and, and have potential to go to the next level. A five-star prospect means that it's a prospect that has all the tools and athletic ability to be a draftable NBA player or NFL player. Boy, see, look where my head is. Um, and so I think a lot of times we see five-star player and we think they're going to be great in college. They're going to do all this. They're going to have a huge impact. They're going to be the next, you know, Barry Sanders or Marshall Falk or, or Zach Moss or, or whatever it is that you want to make that comparison to. And that's not always the case. You talk about putting pressure on high school kids. Um, there is a lot of that. Uh, I also think that, uh, you know, for a lot of these kids, they're not going to make it to the NFL. And so this is their opportunity to um, be recognized for the hard work that they put in both at the high school level and as we move forward into college. Uh, I also think that rolling to, uh, recruiting is an absolute roller coaster. And so I'm kind of in it for, like, the, the, the drama side of it. You know, it's, it, it's wild some of the stories that come out of it. Um, and players do switch back and forth, and teams switch back and forth, and, and drop and pick up commitments all the time. Um, but it, it does. There is a, a definite downside to the amount of exposure and pressure that gets in. So I guess my whole summation of it is that I don't. You know, I'm out here because I want to tell these recruit stories, and I want them to uh, learn how to deal with 
media and, and outside perspectives and things like that in a positive manner. So I'm not going to punish these kids um, if they say or do something that's a little bit different because they are still very, very young. And, and so I can be that kind of conduit with that. But at the same time, I think if you're just a casual fan, be positive with your interactions, you know, celebrate the wins. I tell people all the time, the commitments like scoring a touchdown in the game. Um, you're not always going to win the battle. You know, kids are going to come in and out, and some guys are going to be successful, and some guys aren't. It's just that's sports, and, and that's part of why we love the game. And I think recruiting is just another facet to that. But you know, I'm not going to be be guy that you know shakes my fist at anybody who doesn't win all recruiting because it can be it can be wild. Uh, Brian, we're coming up pretty soon here on the 2021 season. Uh, just this past week, I received my copy of Phil Steele's preseason magazine um and one of the things that stuck out to me about it was that he ranks utah's offensive line as fifth in the country um now you being uh, an offensive line aficionado what is it about utah's offensive line that has phil Steele so high on them i think it's potential and depth and i think the other part of it is the endorsement of kyle whittingham he said it's the best uh, best group that he's had at the University of Utah. That's not wrong uh, in a lot of respects, but that's also, I think, we're kind of seeing the uh, the ultimate version of, like, he's gone Super Saiyan, right? Kyle Whittingham, he's, he's throwing out the long hair. You know, he, he's bringing in two quarterbacks. They're, they're dipping into the transfer portal and just going out and getting whatever they want. This is Kyle Whittingham at, at max you know, Kyle Whittingham right now trying to win a tactical championship. And I think some of that is probably because he knows that his time on the Hill is getting shorter and shorter. And, and that's by his own, you know, admission and decision. Nobody else is going to force Kyle Whittingham out. Um, but this is a group that has a ton of talent. Um, they have a lot of potential. And so I think Kyle Whittingham is playing a little bit of a mind game with them here. And especially, I think some of this message is talking to his, his leader, Nick Ford, and telling him, hey, look, you're, you're one of the smartest, um, most athletically gifted offensive linemen we've had here in a long time. You started to develop as a leader. You started to set a culture here in the program and, and for the offensive line group. Now is your time to really push forward and to make your mark, become the player that we believe that you can be, and lead this group to the top. They are seven deep with guys who have experience, starting experience at the University of Utah. You know, Jaron Kump started at tackle last year. Timmy Wallace has started multiple games at tackle. Uh, anybody who's talked to anybody around the University of Utah program has heard the name Bam Olaseni, as if, you know, like he just descended from the offensive line uh, heavens, you know, away from the offensive line buffet, as we say, and, and come in to really play. And so I haven't seen that personally necessarily out of BAM, but uh, I trust that the number of people that I've talked to who have seen it are, are know what they're talking about. Um, and you combine that with Satawa Omea, who is a all-conference performer. Obviously, we talked about Nick Ford. Uh, you know, you're going to have Graham Daniels, Orlando Omana, and Keaton Bills all competing for that left guard spot. All of them have experience. All of them have the ability to get on the field and have success. And you know, I think that's where the ranking really comes from. And what remains to be seen, how does this group gel together? How cohesive can they be? You know, who really establishes themselves as, a wanting to, as wanting to be a starter? And how healthy can they stay? Brian, I don't know if this is 
fair? I don't even know if you have any insight on it, but how has the real housewives of Salt Lake City affected the Utah football team? <laughs> I don't have any insight on the actual show itself, mm-hmm. um, but I think we're in a day and age now where this kind of stuff, you know, like so much of life is lived either online or in front of a camera, whether it's on social media or, you know, I, I think in the in the case of Jen Shaw, who is the wife of Sharif Shaw, you know, she's on a TV show that's very, very popular. And obviously, I like, I can't speak to anything, you know, to, to what's going on with, with her background legally. It just, it, it's a lot of big words. And again, like brain hacks, I don't understand a lot of those big words. Um, but I don't know that it's had a massive impact on, on the University of Utah's football program. Uh, they're, for better or worse, becoming more adept at handling uh, situations where, where the university is put in the spotlight. Um, and I think they know that this is not, you know, not, not something that they really want to be invested in. Um, but at the same time, there's got to be something there with, with the fact that it's Sharif Shah's wife. Uh, that being said, um, you know, I, I think he and the rest of the coaching staff are going to do what they've always done, which is go to work. And they posted a video, I believe, Friday, Friday morning on the Utah football Twitter account of the coaching staff out on the road together, going to some camps and, and doing some visits. And, you know, I, I thought it was really fascinating that the two coaches that were kind of quote unquote featured the most were Jim Harding and Chad Bumpus, you know, two, two of the lesser known coaches. And so maybe that's part of the strategy is as we're starting to you know introduce people and players to our program, we're going to feature the guys that maybe you haven't seen before. Uh, Brian, last question for me, and it's funny, like I was actually planning on asking this question anyway, but Clint Peterson on Twitter um, requested me to, to bring it up. Um, food. I, you know, you and I have, have talked about this a lot uh, in our private conversations, but, you know, sorry to kind of switch away from Utah football here for a second. Um, but what was this, the Hanson Scotty show? <laughs> we're, maybe we're borrowing a little bit from that, but uh <laughs> Local eats kind of around Salt Lake City. What is right now the, the place that you feel, you know, what, what's a lesser known place? I'm not going to ask you for like the, the best hidden gem because I know that you don't want it to be overrun with all, all sorts of people all of a sudden that makes it harder for you to get food there. Um, but what, what's some place that's maybe lesser known that should be better known? Um, boy, so... I've had a conversion of sorts um, for much of my life. I was always a burrito guy, um, but I've converted to the the gospel that is the taco and the multiple varieties that, that come in that. So I, I think along those lines, the burrito taco is really popular right now. Uh, my favorite spot probably is Los Tapatios for that. Um, you can also go to Santos Tacos, both on the west side, uh, both delicious there's another place that I've been known to frequent lately in, sh- in the Sugar House area called Taco Land, and they have a brisket taco that is just absolutely lights out. It's uh, they've got a, like some in-house slaw that goes on top of it, mm-hmm. and I just talked myself into going there later this afternoon. So if you want to be there in like I don't know maybe half hour, forty-five minutes, fellas, you know, wrap this show up. <laughs> Let's go grab some tacos. Oh man, I'm I'm. You don't have to I, twist I my arm. I should ask you guys this question because I'm this down. is the thing. 
<laughs> I get the rap for, for being a foodie guy, but I know both of you have excellent food taste. So no, I want to hear your answers. That's nice of you. I don't. I'm a picky eater. Coleslaw? Bleh. No, thank <laughs> you. So Brisket? I'm there. Taco? Yeah, fine. But I'm like the the medium of medium salsas. Some cheese, some meat in the taco. That's that's how. I, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm I'm definitely in the, in the hunt for a new taco place because one of my favorite places, you know, place that had some of my favorite al pastor actually recently got shut down, and so I am in the hunt for a new favorite. Um, so I'll, you know, I I definitely. Uh, Have yeah. you tried the green burrito? <laughs> Uh, more times than I probably should have, yes. <laughs> okay. Taco time? Anybody? No? Okay. Uh, Brian, it's good to good to talk to you, good to hear from you. I do have one last quick thing. Why do locker rooms matter to these kids? Shouldn't winning be what matters to these kids? Do we have to build Taj Mahals of toilets for these kids to come to school at, at the place you want them to come to? Uh, I think it's like a big Oh, we're losing you, Brian. You there? We're yeah, losing you, you buddy. Can you catch me? Now we got gotcha. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I can't lean over. Um, <laughs> the, the phone has positioned me. I guess the the, the chip and microchip inside my brain has to be in the right position. But um, <laughs> it's no, it's it's ridiculous, man. And like, I mean, it's cool to see everything that they're building up at the University of Utah and other campuses across the country. But it's it's higher education overall is just out of control. Um, this we we need to find a way to kind of get back to the mean on some of this stuff, uh, but at the same time, like you're seeing some of the high schools locally, uh, Alta built a five million dollar facility for their high school football stupid. team not too long ago. So, so stupid. How many kids could eat with five million dollars? Uh, okay, I gotta be done. Sorry. Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Do we need golden crusted toilets, gentlemen? Do we need this? I or can you can you just wipe your butt like the rest of America and get on with your jobs? Huh? I, until we get a slide in every house, I think we can save on putting them in football facilities. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, All right. Brian, thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure. Um, we'll have to do this again sometime soon. <laughs> Love it. Love you guys. You guys are the best. Uh, it's uh, Honestly, I, I miss you guys as much as anything else in this world. So thank you. Thank you. Pleasure's all mine. Awesome. Brian, that's Brian Brown of Ute Zone. I also forgot to mention of Locked On Utes as well. Catch him uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. He and our own Jake Hatch, uh, you know, tag team on that. So check him out there. Uh, we're going to head to break. When we come back, we'll get to our segment, Five Minutes of Saki. Uh, for those of you who are new, don't understand that Saki thing, we'll explain it then around the corner here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back into the Saturday show. It's time for a little segment that we like to call five minutes of. We get to something that we call Saki, which is our soccer and hockey hybrid. Um, and so ah. we're going to get to that. Uh, Eric, go ahead and uh, open things up for us. I said this with Neymar yesterday. 
this player over this situation, the eyes of the world, to say nothing of South America, watching to see what he's going to do. Messi. of spotlights he has achieved everything in this game with one exception which is to score a goal against France now every box is ticked and the European champions lead the World Cup winners off the draw Martinez high on Price and now Gallagher through the center zone for Montreal Dano sneaks in the pass across they score with the shorts now the break might be on for Patrick Schick and look what he's trying to do Schick oh wow. can you believe wow. what we've just seen out of this world from Patrick Schick Luna kept it away from Bavillier now Bailey over for the Islanders now off a giveaway score Anthony Bavillier sends the Islanders down to Tampa for Game 7 on Friday night. Shohei drives it to right field. Called the wall. Gone! What did you say about 20? What a rocket. He went with a fastball. Shohei, by the way, took about two seconds running around the bases. That was a rocket he hits out. Shohei the money. 20. 38 extra base hits for Shohei Otani. Oh, by the way, picked up a W last night going six innings on the mound. So India moves up in the scoring position for Nick Castellanos. 2-2. Driven high in the air. Deep left center field. Oh, this one could go to orbit. Nick Castellanos destroys a two-run homer. And the Reds lengthen their lead. It's 4-1 in the home seven. What a read there by McDonough. Outstanding play. Couple of shot blocks. Sorelli with the lightning shorthanded, finds Gord, he scores! Lightning. It's uh, vomit. It's yeah. We've got an interesting uh, Stanley Cup final ahead of us. No, we don't. Uh, well, I mean, you know, we've got the defending st- a Stanley team Cup. no one cares about and a team that everyone hates. 
You don't care about the Montreal Canadiens? Nope. Come on. Come on. Go Habs, go. Mm-hmm. This could be Canada's chance Maybe to finally bring... Maybe get more cultured, bring... Austin. Come on, dude. <laughs> bring Sir Lord Stanley's cup home. You... Oh, wait. Is. Can't say get more cultured because the Quebecois. Always the Quebecois. forget about... <laughs> always forget about the Quebecois. The Quebecois. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. As, I, <laughs> as someone who has some close ties to Canada and, you know... And the oh, Quebecois? A little bit, yeah. Actually, I know I, I have some very, very good friends who are Quebecois, uh, <laughs> and so yeah, I uh, they're they're huge Habs fans, and so for that reason, I'm you know saying go Habs go uh-huh. for, for this. I mean, they're not going to win, you know. No, they were the last. That's why I the think last that's, team in to the playoffs. It's you know, a the sweep. lowest possible but seed. But Alex, I'm gonna argue because on no. this show, that's what both of us have said. For the past like three series with them, we that's, said the same thing about we sat here two weeks ago, and you and I both <laughs> said, "Yeah, Montreal will give them a fight, but Vegas is gonna win." Maybe it's time to take Montreal seriously. Vegas Maybe didn't win because they abandoned the goat between the pipes. No, that's absolutely untrue. Marc Andre Fleury fell apart he down did not. the stretch. He did not. Is he there, absolutely he did. Had, he had a few, a couple bad moments, and they abandoned him. So, yeah, anyway, I, you know, like... What a way I, to get started. While I want to believe that the Habs can do it, I just don't have that belief. The lowest possible seed versus the de- defending Stanley Cup champions. I want it to be a good series, and I would love to see Montreal win it. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be a repeat. Six games? Five games? Four. Ooh, I don't know Ooh, about that. Oh, I don't know about that one. Mark it down. Um, Four. And it will be five to one in each of them. <laughs> well, that I think that'll uh, we'll let that suffice for our hockey talk. You okay. know, us here having a, a a passionate, you know, arguing back and forth. We, on the, we the are Stanley maybe Cup, the three hockey fans in the state. So you know what? I, well, I I know of one other. Um, I know a few. And so yeah. you know, yeah. we have I, we have one listener that's very big into hockey. Shout out Rob. All right, so we, there's at least five then uh, in this state. But yeah, Rob Crosland. I'm not sure his last name. Oh, okay, all right. Well, awesome. Uh, Eric, do you want to give us a quick soccer recap? Yes, very quickly. Uh, we are in the knockout stage of the Euros. Denmark, a cool story. We talked about this about two weeks ago after Christian Eriksen unfortunately collapsed. He is okay. He is doing well. A miracle. And yeah. uh, he is not playing, but Denmark is on a tear. They beat Wales for... Nothing. And Austin pointed out an interesting point. Wales, not actually a country. I, I kind of thought Wales was a country. Um, I looked it up. They it think is, they're in fact, a country. part <laughs> of the UK. So Have either of you seen... See, I, I, have you started Ted Lasso yet, Austin? Nope. Have you watched it? I Eric? have not yet. Man, you guys... I don't I, have I Apple. I know I'm behind. I don't have Apple. I don't like to support Apple either. So that's a problem. I, I mean, I don't have Apple either, but... Uh, how do you see it? <clears throat> uh, anyway... <laughs> So there's a line, though, in there where, you know, Ted Lasso is evaluating his team for the first time, and there's a, you know, character that's playing, and he's like, uh, where's that guy from? And his assistant coach that came with him he says, he's from Wales. And he's like, is that another country or something? And he's like, yes and no. Yeah. He said, how many countries are in this country? <laughs> Four. <laughs> that's he, right. He yeah. kind of pauses and goes, hmm, kind of like America these days. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about it. It's like, it's like if you said for... Utah had just one combined college football team. Like, there there was no Utah, BYU, or Utah State. 
I kind of thought about it that way. But now that I say it out loud, that's the stupidest thing I've ever yeah. said. So, uh, Thank you for saying it so I didn't have to. <laughs> absolutely not. Um, but other mm. things going on in Euro, just a quick Sunday, if you're trying to get into soccer, really no better wa- match to watch. Belgium, Portugal, Belgium, a favorite to win the tournament. Portugal with arguably the best player in the world right now in mm. Cristiano Ronaldo. Monday, France, Switzerland, always a good one. Kylian Mbappe is this young French kid who is absolutely incredible he at the is. game of yeah. soccer. And then always a good wartime rivalry, England and Germany going at it. <laughs> always always a good time between those two. They really don't like each other when it's it comes to— called the blackout to, game. Yeah, really don't like it when they, it comes to soccer. Copa America wrapping up. Brazil and Argentina, the favorites, looking good. And in MLS locally— RSL, two weeks ago, uh, now takes down, I believe it was Vancouver Whitecaps, 3-1. Wednesday, they fall in Seattle, 2-1 against the Seattle Sounders. Albert Rusnak with the lone goal in that one. And tonight, on KUTV, I believe, or KMYU, um, it is Real Salt Lake versus Houston Dynamo. This one in Salt Lake. Real Salt Lake have always struggled going to Houston, but playing them at home. I like the matchup for Real Salt Lake that game at 6 p.m. tonight. Real quick, you didn't mention Croatia-Spain on Monday. Croatia-Spain, a good one. I tend to lean in the camp of Luka Modric is washed. Oh! Um, what? And lost a step and won't what be playing in high hell? European champion. What are you watching? No, he Just won't. Just see him score that goal? It was an incredible goal, but he is old and he's going to fall oh. off at some point. Now that's the dumbest, the second dumbest thing you've said. <laughs> that is the second dumbest thing I've Watch. said potentially. Uh, but Austin, we have you along for the ride. We did want to ask you, you are really into baseball. I know you wanted to talk about the bees, but also maybe one professional thing that's not all the controversy in baseball that you think oh, wow. might be interesting to point us towards here. Um... Okay, uh, but this is usually not included, right? Baseball is usually not included in this segment. No, but you are a special guest of honor. So it's not. So today it's base hockey, sock, socky, socky ball, socky ball, sockcase. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, the bees are uh, at home, and there's really nothing better you can do with your dime in the summertime at night here in Salt Lake City than go catch a game. I was listening to that last night. That crowd was rocking last night. And it was a dramatic 10-9 win, I believe, over the Vegas, whatever they are these days. Aviators, yeah, thank you. Uh, So there you go, the Bs. Regarding Major League Baseball, it's hard to talk about Major League Baseball right now without mentioning a controversy. So instead, I will uh, cheat and go with my team. You should be watching Angels games. Not because the Angels are good, because they ain't. Well, they're better. They're getting all, they're getting okay. But Shohei Otani is a must-see product. And Every time he pitches, too. I mean, he, yeah. it's like these six strikeout, like, no hits. Like, he is. And it's too bad that he and Mike Trout are stuck on my Angels. And I know Trout's injured, so you're missing him. But it's too bad that the two maybe two of the top five players in the league right now are never going to do anything with their legacies as far as winning at all. So I've been saying this since May. Do you think this is crazy to say at this point? 
Does yes. Shohei Otani have a case to be made that he could win the Cy Young and the AL MVP? Not enough on the Cy Young side. Uh, not yet. Uh, but MVP, I think he should be in the th- top three of the MVP. Absolutely race. should be in, in yeah. the conversation. Yeah, I mean, like just by virtue of the fact that you never see pitchers that play designated hitter. Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. Yeah, and so and and not only does it not happen, but if it did happen, they're not like one of the top home run hitting players in MLB, and he is as a pitcher. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a throwback to the uh, early 1900s where the pitchers were the best hitters. Yeah, it's it's cool, and it's just weird. But they suck. So, <laughs> um, what's next? So, thanks for letting me talk about that. <laughs> uh, uh, the the All Star Game in Colorado. Make a trip out there if you got some time. Go see the All Star Game. And uh, Otani playing in the you know he's, he's participating in the home run derby. He so will be. Yep. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, let's make a quick transition to the sixty and sixty. Give a quick recap as to uh, what's been going on there uh, since our last Saturday show where we were able to get to this. Um, we're going to look at numbers fifty three through forty nine of the top sixty in sixty. Um, and so number 53, uh, and Eric, since you've produced Utah state football more recently than I, uh, I definitely did not. You were actually the last one. Oh man. Vogenbach. I, I I have no idea how to pronounce this last name. Uh, AJ, (laughs) he's a linebacker for Utah state coming at number 53 on the 60 and 60. Um, number, uh, let's see, 52 was Mason Wake, fullback ah. for BYU University. The who, hammer. Who just hurdled another defender as we read his name just now. <laughs> That's right. Um, because Knocked I don't, another filler filling out of someone's I, mouth. I yeah. just I don't know how many games I watched last year where like I, I I would turn it on just to see how BYU was doing, and the first play I would see would be Mason Wake, the fullback, mm-hmm. coming around and hurdling somebody. Yep. And I was just It's um, cool. It's cool. Number 51, Demetric Aliafua of uh, the offensive line at Utah State. And uh, number 50, Hale Matuapuaka, defensive tackle, wow! Utah State. Good for you. I, uh, I Matu only know. Matuapuaka? <laughs> what did you say? Matuapuaka. 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 So some of these I know because, you know, I, I have produced some Utah State football uh, semi recently. And so I've heard Scotty G pronounce these names, and so just I, not Volgenbach, just not yeah that one, I I Vong Panakan I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah I I really wish I knew that one because I I I mean it doesn't look like a, a Polynesian name it's some other you know region of the world that I'm less familiar with how to pronounce it, and so I it's, apologize. It's not a tongue roller like Matuakawaka. Yeah, Matupat was it. Uh, let me pull it back. Matu Pawawaka? Matu Apuwaka. Matu Apuwaka. Yeah. And What's so, his last name? Atuapa? Or his, his last name is Matu Apuwaka. Oh, that's the whole, that's the last. What's his first name? Holly. Well, come on. Holly Matu Apuwaka. Yeah. That might be my favorite name ever. It's on the all name list for this year for sure. Uh, yeah. He's out of Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, Matu Apuwaka. But yeah, I, I do a little bit better with the Polynesian names just growing up in Utah, watching a lot of, you know, uh, 
college football, there's a lot of Polynesians. I actually yeah. have Maori cousins, Do which you? helps a little bit with that. Um, and so I really, you know, I feel bad for not being able to pronounce AJ's last name because it, you know, it's not I one got that it. I'm normally. I listened to the 60 and 60 on the website. AJ Wagenpock. Wagenpock. Okay. That's, yeah. I would never have guessed that. We were way um, off. Yeah, we were. Matuapawaka so, Wagenpock. So apologies to AJ Wagenpock uh, for butchering your name there. <laughs> uh, but he comes in at number 53. On the top 60 and 60, again, 52, Mason Wake, 51, Dimitri Galiafua, uh, 50, Holly Matuapuaka, 49, Connor Mortensen. Weber State, great, great, great. Which they did have a, a you know, a, they are pretty great. Uh, He's been, better than 49, by the way, but it's Weber State, so people don't know about it, so he just got ratioed to 49. Yeah, he's he's, he's a top 20 guy. He's, he's very good. Uh, Weber State is very good. And, you know, what Jay Hill has been doing with them, up there has been just awesome to, to see that turnaround under his leadership is just great. The Wildcats are one of the premier programs in FCS. So uh, congratulations to all of these players for their placements in the top 60 and 60 uh, catch that on just the weekdays. I believe is it hands and Scotty that unveil those one thirty every day. Yep. So yeah, tune in. Monday through Friday to catch the remainder as we count down towards the start of the college football season. Uh, the best news there is that there's 48 Hanson Scotty shows left before college football starts. Oh my gosh, that's that's the best news. That was, you know, I hadn't even taken that into conversation or <laughs> co- into contemplation yeah. until then. Man, we are getting so close. I can't wait. I I love college football more than I love air, and so uh, yeah, let's. Uh, we're getting close, everybody. Um, we're gonna. That'll kind of wrap up our five minutes of segment. We're gonna, <laughs> you know, several minutes. Seventeen of, minutes into it, yeah. yeah. Several minutes of, but it was five minutes of each, approximately. Oh, I got you. Yeah, I thought it was, so. so it was supposed to be five total. No, no, ah, it's I see. Like five minutes of, and then five minutes. Uh, it almost used to like be, a, but yeah. we've made changes. Uh-huh. It used to be, you know, kind of a quick five-minute segment because in it was its usually origins, what you ended the show with. In its origins, started, yeah. yeah uh, Adrian would let Yak talk. Five minutes of soccer because yes. that's all that he could handle of it. Amen. And so we've we've transitioned it to kind of make it more of a lightning <laughs> round to get to the lesser talked about sports. Um, <laughs> but even then, college football still finds a way in. Yep, because, it's still got there. You know, it's that's 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 how we do. Um, what will we do with our eighty seconds in the next segment? <laughs> well, you know, we'll wrap things up. We'll put a bow on it. So right. we're going to go to break. We'll be back for our final thoughts and shots here on the Saturday show. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. We'll be. You know, saying our farewells and things then. Uh, this is 97.5 and 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Let's go live! We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and aggies, even on the weekend. weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I've watched and read every piece of the Star Wars canon, but I also like Vareds and Ska music because I crave mockery. <laughs> that was uh, the, fin- oh, the finale of Jazz Playoff Overtime, wasn't it? Yeah, but uh, that that 
that got well, not the finale. So, but, the yeah. last time I dropped one of those, it got surprisingly good Twitter feed. Like the only Twitter feedback I've ever gotten was <laughs> that people like that. So there will be an uh, an Eric Jensen, Alex Longberg generalization of the week. So right. week. so that's I dig it. It's a good impression. It's not a good impersonation because it doesn't sound like no. Lundy. Yeah, yeah. But not, it, not it matches cool. Lundy's you know, persona. Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Absolutely. So I, 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 I appreciate it. Though I, I do have one correction. I have not read every piece <laughs> of Star Wars canon. Um, he have, has kissed a girl. I, <laughs> I assume. I, I have read some of them. I have not read all of them. I have seen all the pieces of Star Wars canon. So, you know, let's, let's, let's clear that up. Okay. Um, but... It is funny though that you mentioned like earlier before the show. Actually, you know, I was I had pulled up one of my dating apps and saw somebody, and I was like, "All right, yeah, this, <laughs> this, this could be promising." And then got to a partner bio where she just said, "Star Wars is not it." And I was like, "You know what? Swipe left." It's uh, you know <laughs> what could been have nice been, but uh, you know, I'm gonna pass. Thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. The top sixty and sixty. Oh, see, we didn't get out on time. <laughs> that right. that hard time, we missed it. Yeah. Well, all right. That's the final thoughts and shots for the show. Thank you for tuning in for to, to another edition of the Saturday Show. Austin, thank you so much for filling in. Awesome. Eric, great job as always uh, for both of them, Eric Jensen and Austin Horton. I'm Lundy. This has been the Saturday Show. More next on 97.5, 1280 The Zone.